Welcome to the February 6th edition of the PFF Forecast. This is um, the last uh, split remote podcast that Eric and I are doing because my guy is looking LA ready over there. He's ready to come out here to the West Coast and uh, we'll, be, we'll be live uh, from Radio Row at the Super Bowl uh, next week. But we're going to get this Sunday show uh, and Super Bowl week off to a great start because we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of the borough um, IQ talk, which if you haven't heard about, we're going to fill you in on we'll talk a little bit about um, the new hire of Kevin O'Connell, who's the offensive coordinator, obviously for the Rams, which is integral to this Super Bowl. And we'll be going to Minnesota next year. And then we've got more Super Bowl props, including MVP props uh, for the Super Bowl. Let's rock. You said you were LA ready, Eric, and I just want to let you know that um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a heater out here. Like there's a little heat wave coming, um, so you can put the the ice um, the the snow boots away. No need for jackets, shorts, tank tops. Prepare yourself. So here's a fun story. So um, yes, so today is my daughter's ninth birthday. Yesterday we had a party for her at the house. Congrats. So then my youngest daughter plays basketball and I'm like the assistant coach, whatever. But my wife had to like, go. my wife had to like get all the party stuff ready. So she's like, you have to coach this game. So I get in the car and I, it takes me 20 minutes to scrape the ice off my, cause like by the time I got back in Kansas <laughs> city, I'm like, I'm just staying at home. I, and right. And like, I gotta be honest with you, not to Depressed. sound too provincial, but like Ohio is terrible at this relative to like Minnesota I'm assuming Atlanta is terrible at this relative to Ohio. But anyway, so I finally get there. I show up and like, God bless this other parent who also didn't read the schedule. But the game is today at two mm. instead of yesterday at two. So I don't actually have to I don't have to actually make my head coaching debut. Um, but I, I was like panicked and like I was like, I still got to get my hair cut for this week. I got to buy some clothes. And like, yeah. Like it's been kind of a you know a whirlwind. Over you, the last you did day. get Plus a little hair. Like eight little girls in my house for my daughter's birthday party. I I got excited for a second because I really wanted. I know everyone here wanted to hear your like coaching stories. Um, I was like I got really excited about that, and then oh. you you let me down. Um, so I I need those on the Tuesday show. You have to promise that you bring. Are you so? Can I just ask this? What kind of a coach when you? like envision yourself on the sideline compare yourself to a a basketball coach i i will not disappoint with the story though so once chloe and i got there and realized she didn't have a game i texted my my wife i was like hey where's madeline's game because that's Mm -hmm. like why we had to split up because they were at the same time yeah and so yeah madeline's my older daughter she had the other game so then we so i beeline there i get there and it's like my my wife's like hey madeline has eight points so far which the game was like 12 six so i'm like oh nice so then, but then I'm, I'm sit. I get there at halftime. I sit there, and this other team's coach, like mind you, this is third grade basketball. The other coach is jumping up and down, yelling at the refs, like getting like. And I'm just like, it is not that serious, bro. Like, I, <laughs> my wife, like looked at me. She's like, that's what you're gonna be like. I'm like, no, like I don't even get that way 
when I, I don't get that way ever. And, and I'm like, so, you know, unless the Rams make it, you know, go all in on something, I don't get really all that worked up at all. <laughs> um, and so I was like, no, I'm going to be like more of like a Dungy, like a, like a Leslie Frazier type than Mike Tomlin than anything, you know, uh, remotely close to like the, the hot, you know, the heated guy on the sideline. I, I love coaching, by the way, I've coached, um, a few different like levels. Um, I, when I did teach for America, I was teaching seventh and eighth grade math in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and they did not have a basketball team there, which was actually kind of surprising, but like that kind of tells you, I guess, kind of the level of disarray that, you know, some of these places are in and myself and the PE coach started a basketball program there. And we were excited because we thought, you know, oh, I'm sure like there's a lot of kids who, you know, play basketball for fun because, you know, like that's what that's what we did when we were kids. And like this should be a great opportunity. And one of the funniest things about it was the number of kids who came in who were like really excited to play. But their experience playing basketball was literally video games and like didn't know how to dribble a basketball. And so the funniest thing was that in preparing for this. I went full like Steve Kerr before he coached the, the Warriors, which was like, okay, let's get together. Let's talk about like our offensive scheme. How, you know, what is our defense going to look like? What kind of team are we going to be? Showed up day one and it's like, okay, so how do you dribble the ball? And um, so I, that's, I, that's the kind of coach that I think I am. I'm actually relatively calm on the sideline compared to how I am in, in real life. But I need, I want a coach's cam of you today. Uh, so that we can share it with. I will only be the assistant today. Oh, only the that. assistant today. Okay. Because because we don't have the conflict. So Steph is going to be coaching. I am the, Good. I got to say that like, I am the, hey, Steph, so-and-so needs a break. Oh, hey, you're that guy. I, you know, I'm more like a high-fiving everybody as they come out. I'm yelling. And you, because you can't press in third, in second grade. So I'm also oh. get back guy. Mm. You know, Good. so like I'm very um you know and and also like telling fans to stop yelling at the ref because it's yeah, that's that's what i really need okay uh let's before we get into um the borough stuff reminder that if you are preparing for the super bowl the best way to prepare for the super bowl is with a pff subscription um new on pff.com are we always do this we did what well, we did this last year we have a beefed up player props tool for the Super Bowl, anytime touchdowns, all we're adding new props every single day. Um, so you can go find that on pff.com and you can get 25% off with promo code forecast, F O R E C A S T, 25% off. So go to pff.com right now. It's an elite subscription. It gets you all of PFS premium content, gets you, you get it for a year. You get all of that going through next football season, all the fantasy tools that you need to dominate all the great betting tools, betting dashboard, NFL green line, and the player props tool, plus the best bets tool, which if you're just looking for like the quickest way to find a good bet, it's right there for you. New on pff.com right now is the NFL draft guide that's coming up. So a ton of great stuff for you to take advantage of. It's a great time to buy a subscription and get 25% off. Also, let us know what sorts of things you love about PFF and what you'd like to see from PFF uh, by emailing us at contact at pff.com and we'll put your requests on our 2022-2023 wish list. Okay, set the table for me here because you alerted me to this um, 
earlier uh, this weekend. I think it's really interesting. Give the context for the listeners around this, this kind of a lot of Burrow talk, and rightfully so, about how great he's been over the course of the year. He's been the highest graded quarterback in the NFL. But yeah. there, there's some interesting context here. So why don't you set the table for us? So there's a tweet by Matt Lombardo, NFL, says, and it was in response to the, the video where Mahomes it appeared to, and I, you know, like I was right there. I saw it happen. Mahomes uh, convincing Andy Reid to go for fourth down. Or go, it wasn't even a fourth down. It was no. second down with five seconds left at the Bengals one up 11, getting the ball to start the second half. I think that context is actually important. Um, and Andy letting him do it, Pat, you know, kind of throwing the ball. I, I you know, throw, keeping the, like, let's just be honest, like they, they messed up the play. Like they, he threw the, like Tyreek Hill turned around on the wrong shoulder. Mahomes probably threw it a little bit. Uh, you know, he didn't lead him into the end zone, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Eli Apple also made a great play and the Bengals stopped him at the one yard line and, and they go off. And, you know, ultimately that was probably one of the differences between them and winning a knot. And Matt Lombardo says, this is what I ultimately, I, I believe will ultimately separate Joe Burrow from Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is otherworldly gifted, but Burrow has the acumen we, have been, we haven't seen since Brady and plays the game at a cerebral A level. In playoffs where mistakes are magnified, can be a difference maker. And I, I got to say, that is the, the most garbage take. And like, I'm not even trying to cape for Mahomes or disburrow. Like, I think it's possible for all this stuff to happen and us like praise Joe Burrow, praise Matthew Stafford, praise, you know, uh, you know, players who have made it this far, Brady, praise or Brady as he retires. And not kind of go through this tropey BS of like being like, this is where Mahomes comes short. I mean, the guy has made four, has hosted four straight AFC championship games, won two of them and lost two of them in overtime. Like, can we not do this? Like, I, I don't, nope. it makes me so mad. So it's interesting. I, I like bringing in parallels to other sports. And I think this is one that, um, that works really, really well. I'm not going to go with the Jordan comparison because I think that's a little bit different, but this reminds me a bit of, um, some of the LeBron stuff where LeBron is so good and it does so many things well and dominates the game in a way, like really since, you know, like you think about Jordan Wilt, like I think maybe you put Steph in there, given what he's done for this generation of basketball, maybe people get mad about that, but um, where you find fit, you find nits to pick and I, I think that we should focus. I, I would rather focus on the let's not let's not throw Mahomes out, with, you know, with that yes. one play as opposed to like the Burrow thing, because I think it's unfair to Burrow. And um, Robbie Greer pointed this out, does some great work uh, on um, Twitter and writes uh, for PFF um, as well, pointed this out where it's like there's really no data that supports like Joe Burrow being otherworldly smart um, in the way that Brady is where Brady, like Brady doesn't take sacks and like Burrow, like his pocket presence, I, he takes a, he took more sacks in, this year than anyone else. And I know that the, the offensive line obviously wasn't great, but like Brady has dealt with bad offensive lines as well. So the thing that bothers me most about it though, is like that we're trying to say that that play was a 
failed because of a mental error, like a lack of football acumen on Patrick Mahomes part. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. Like that's such garbage. And so I want to ask you this question. If we were ranking quarterbacks based on their, like, I don't know what you want to call it, football acumen or like sense of the moment or like this guy, let's say maybe here's the right way to frame it. If you didn't have an offensive coordinator or a head coach, like which quarterback do you want being that replacing that? Like, I mean, how would you rank them? I have a, I have yeah, a strong feeling. Cause I, here's my thing. Like this is, and again, this, can, this shows you how much things can turn. So Sunday morning, literally the, 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 the hours before that game, I was on Seren Petro's, you know, they do the pregame show, the official pregame show, the Chiefs, whatever. And I said, like, what's crazy about Mahomes is that the league is forcing him to behave like Brady, right? Which is distribute the ball, be uh, content, getting the underneath stuff and, and all that, which is what Brady, that was basically Brady's superpower was, being content at being the best freaking player in league history at doing that, right? Which is like, just limit mistakes, um, you know, uh, be cl- you know, all this kind of stuff. Like Brady was so amazing at that and like took what the defense gave him. And then near the end of his career, all the stuff that people poo-pooed him about, which was his arm strength and all that, like we saw, he still had it. He made the throw to Mike Evans, you know, to cut the lead to seven at the end of the divisional round. And, and I sort of met, mentioned I'm like you know that's the thing that Pat has to learn to be great but he's kind of doing that he was doing that in the Pittsburgh game he did that in the uh the Buffalo game surgically no passes over 20 yards in the air in that game and he did that in the first half too and and like obviously it fell all apart and now you know we're back to questioning whether or not he can be patient enough to do all these things but football is such a random game but to answer your question I, I mean I always thought Drew Brees had the had that acumen to him um i think Mahomes. i mean mean, obviously brady right yeah brady manning was obviously somebody in that category um you know i I think i think russell wilson's instincts are very good you know and i think Mm -hmm. obviously you know the hard part about wilson is that i think his instincts are really good it's just like has you know we're probably going to find out when he goes to a new team how much he's been hamstrung um by you know um, by, by, you know, the, the play calling that he's had in, in Seattle, um, you know, and I think Mahomes is there too. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand, like people are looking at that specific play. And it's like, gee, yeah. If Mahomes knew the outcome before the play, maybe, maybe he wouldn't have done it, but like, does anybody disagree with that call? Right. And I mean, that's kind of the like, point is like yeah. the execution was poor. And I mean, that happens the the, what i think is absurd is part of the reason that that play is being magnified is because they melted down in the second half like let's talk about the meltdown in the second half let's not talk about that play i think that's the thing that is more concerning and if you want to argue burrow mahomes then you should argue it based on the second half but that's the thing that's glaring now i thought this was really interesting so what i looked at is last four years uh, less than five minutes to go in either the second or fourth quarters uh, with in a one-score game. And I think this is really interesting. Um, the, the Among players with over uh, 300 um, uh, passing uh, snaps, highest graded, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, 
Deshaun Watson, and then Matthew Stafford. Now, if you look at, if you, if you lessen the number of snaps and you say, okay, anyone with over a hundred passing snaps, Joe Burrow actually is the highest graded. He and Mahomes are. And I, you know, I, I do think that that's, that's indicative of the season that Burrow has had. What I will point out there though, is that, that, that sample size matters, right? And I think that's why picking one play and boiling it down to that is really not great. And even thinking about it just in one season, I think is a little, you know, is a little unfair there. And um, so, you know, I, like, I think those are the things to, to keep in mind. I'll also, I'll also point this out, which is, uh, so th- we talked about sacks here. In these situations, so Patrick Mahomes has 475 dropbacks, has been sacked 24 times. Joe Burrow, 181 dropbacks, has been sacked 16 times. So, like, that's one of the crucial differences, I think, between Mahomes and Burrow. And part of it, I think, is a little bit of athleticism. But that, to me, is the separator. That's why I still, you know, as great as Joe Burrow is, I think it's ridiculous to be like, oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the same, you know, awareness or acumen in these moments because the dude is as good at avoiding you know, negative plays and making big plays in those situations as anyone. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing I, you know, and, and this was his worst year for sure. And I think the, the, and, and again, like the, I think the, where I was wrong about the Rams was they, they went all in in a year where maybe they were able to identify more quickly than any of us, that there wasn't a great team in the NFL, maybe other than Buffalo and green Bay. Um, and so, like, again, like this was a year where he was he wasn't great, and and it is a longer grind for them. Um, but like, make, make make no mistake. I mean, that was what was so perplexing about the second half was that like Mahomes just scored at will against the number one overall defense in the NFL in Buffalo, and then kind of a middle of the pack unit like completely flummoxed him in the second half of that game. So it, it, it's just, and then the whole like, and again, like we don't want to get. You know, like, but the, and and I don't actually think that the tweet itself was was nefarious at all. But we gotta stop with the whole like white quarterback cerebral, black quarterback physically. We gotta stop that shit. That, we can't, that's fair. We can't, we can't do that shit anymore. We can't like again, like, and and and, and like I said, it's not about it's not about me or it's not about you. It's about thinking about how that how that looks to people who aren't. Who, who like black people like frankly if you're if, if you want to be a quarterback and every single like subliminal thing tells you you have to be an athlete um you can't be of the cerebral ilk like that's like that that's you know that's part of what we were talking about on Wednesday which was just like we have to stop these things that subliminally exclude people and that and, and to me I think again like I don't know if any one instance is somebody you know, doing that on purpose or just perpetuating what they've learned in media. So like, I'm not trying to single this person out, but it, it's something that we got to stop doing. We have, and like draft season's coming up and, you know, we, we oh, it's both my, read it's my un- favorite. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm so excited un- for the Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett comparisons. They're going to be, yeah, we both read the undoing project where, you know, Daryl Morey and his scouts, you know, you can't, you can't label a, per- you can't label a person by body type and like that kind of thing. And, you know, that's important. I mean, that's where we have biases and, and, and look, I, I, as a chiefs fan, I hope Mahomes takes this as a slight and blow towards the league next year. Um, but for, you know, just for our ability to analyze the game anyway, 
Like it just, we got to stop that. We you never apologized that. to Chiefs fans this year, to Chiefs Kingdom. And I never uh, did. Little, I know. I'm a little sad about that. So I just, I'll close this. Make it this that far. I'll close this loop a little bit by looking at that same um, uh, context just for this year. So again, that's less than five minutes to go, second or fourth quarter, one score game. And um, highest graded players with over 100 dropbacks. Brady is one. You've got Burrow and Allen right there in two and three. Um, players that don't have over 100, Stafford and Rodgers would be four and five. Um, and then you've got like this group well below with grades in the like low 80s, high 70s of Prescott, Kyler Murray, uh, even Kirk Cousins. Patrick Mahomes, 65 PFF grade in these situations. However, I want to point this out. Like the reason that Joe Burrow is fantastic. The thing that's really interesting and stands out here. So Tom Brady, highest graded, has four sacks. Josh Allen took two sacks. The only player, the only player with double-digit sacks in these situations is Joe Burrow. So, like, I'm not sitting here, like, trying to, like, dissuade that, you know, that he's good in these situations. But I don't think it's fair to say that he has some big up on the league in these situations yet. If I were betting on who's going to be that guy, you know, going forward, I think it's it's great to put Joe Burrow in that conversation. But Josh Allen yeah. has been really good. And let's let's just take a step back for a second. The Chiefs melted down in the second half. But let's not forget the Buffalo Bills game, where I think it's fair to say that Mahomes had decent football awareness. They scored in 13 freaking seconds. Like and, no, and they and they got in field goal range in 30 <laughs> seconds at the end of the first half. Like that was the whole thing, you know when the Bengals scored that Samaj P. Ryan touchdown and like, we're all looking like, we're like, Oh, 56 seconds. This is a cakewalk for Mahomes, mm-hmm. And he gets all the way down to the one yard line yep. in that amount of time. And it, again, like it's hard not to be prisoners in the moment. And it's hard not to be romantic about football, right? It's hard not to look at Joe Burrow and think, I, I remember thinking, I think I said this to you when I watched him at LSU in 18, I'm like, this is an AAF quarterback, right? Like he wasn't, he was just a, like him and John Wolford were like the same guy to me, right? And then 2019, he blowtorches the whole college football, right? By the way, that LSU team went from giving Clemson no chance in the college football playoff to two years later, grinding out the last bowl game, like a 20-point loss to Kansas State. Yeah. Right? Like the guy just, um, Joe Brady goes from being a hothead coaching candidate to being a, a like a quarterback's coach, Um and like it's it's hard not to look at Joe Burrow and be like, man, this guy's this guy's got it, right? And and it was hard not to look at Tom Brady and say, this guy's got it. But like we gotta be careful. Brady is such a singular figure in the history of the game, and we can't be comparing every swashbuckling uh, you know, come yeah. from behind but but we're going to guy to, to to Tom Brady. We're we're going to. I mean, do you remember when Jordan was hired? How many next Jordans were there? Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, Kobe Bryant. Like, by the way, you thinking of Tracy McGrady Harold first, Liner. and also me thinking of Tracy McGrady first, because that was that was what everybody McGrady well, was. Well, it was no, no, it, it was a Carter, Vince Carter, and Kobe Bryant had kind of that first like legit. You know, this was on the cover of magazines. Which one is the next Jordan? And a lot, you know, because of the fact that they were dunkers, but also you know, Kobe was he really patterned his game after Jordan. The funniest one though, Eric, is um, I, I believe Harold Miner was dubbed baby Jordan. I think I that was the first, um, but yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's absolutely going to happen because Brady is that Jordan-esque figure. And look, Joe Burrow, like 
God, I hope he, you know, I, I'm rooting for him. I think the world is rooting for him in this game. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll talk more about that. By the way, we, we have not- to be able to do that. We have to be able to root for Joe Burrow without putting down Patrick Mahomes. Like, we have to be able to root for. Don't make uh, everything Matt's- about the Chiefs, Eric. Don't make everything about the Chiefs. We, There's plenty we, of people okay, out so there. here's the thing. We have to be able to root for Matthew Stafford without dragging Jared Goff through the mud. Right? <laughs> like, you know, I, like that, that, you for, know, like that's, I think, where we have to. Does anyone, is anyone watching this? Who's the saddest person watching the Super Bowl and why is it Jared Goff? Um, let's, let's, uh, let's. Jared say, Goff is the biggest Eli Apple fan in the history of the world. Yeah, in the history of the world. Uh, by the way, we've got some great content planned for the Super Bowl week. We're going to do um, a Tuesday show afternoon. We're going to do a Thursday show afternoon. We've got some great guests lined up. Also got some great um, pieces of content, not just Super Bowl. Obviously, we're going to do a lot of Super Bowl conversation, but there's some other really interesting stuff. I was brainstorming last night on some interesting topics. I've got some like, I've got some ones that I'm really excited about, and um, they may or may not involve uh, the GOAT Tom Brady uh, that, um, you know, and about him maybe coming back. But uh, we'll save that for next week. Make sure you tune in, check out all that good stuff. Before we uh, move on, we've got a couple more topics here. If you are planning, to make it out to Super Bowl or Super Bowl week, make sure it's your cleanest and sexiest appearance this year and do so with Manscaped. Manscaped.com, use promo code PFF, get 20% off plus free shipping. Um, I am, I'm traveling right now. I traveled with my lawnmower 4.0 um, and it's been trusty and handy. It travels like a dream. Battery never runs out. Does not like break or turn on when it's in your backpack. Like handy is the wrong word to use, but yeah. handy is definitely the wrong word to use. Uh, <laughs> but go get it. It's part of the performance package 4.0 at Manscaped. That also comes with their ultra premium body wash, which probably a good thing to travel with if you've ever been at a hotel and tried to use their uh, body wash or shampoo and then felt like your skin was literally about to shrivel up and die. Uh, you should probably travel with some good body wash. Manscaped has you covered. So use promo code PFF and get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. That is what you need to look your best and feel your best in 2022. All right. Uh, the last week, or yeah, it was our last show. We talked about uh, the Harbaugh thing in Minnesota. And of course, as soon as we were finished recording that segment, it was revealed that uh, Kevin O'Connell was going to uh, be the new head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He, of course, is the offensive coordinator right now for the Los Angeles Rams. What is your opinion of that hire i i like it i you know the 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 harbaugh thing and actually it just came out that gaddis his offense coordinator he's going to take mm-hmm. a lateral move to miami um and uh, mike mcdonald who was the he was one of the assistants on the ravens then he spent one year on uh michigan as the defense coordinator is going back to baltimore as the defensive coordinator um Harbaugh to me felt like he had like checked out of that place. Right. And I think the moves of his coordinators kind of make some sense in that regard as well. And then it looked like he kind of said, I want to go, I want to, you know, I deserve a head coaching job in this space and here's where I'm going to go. And I, and I want to commend the Vikings who, you know, gave Quesia Dofamensa four year deal probably going to have to give Harbaugh a lot more um, for making a decision that 
equalizes this, the incentives for everybody in that building. I'm actually very pleased with what they've done. Um, and I think a lot of fans like wanted the sort of sexy name or whatever. Um, but I think Kevin O'Connell has great experience. He was, you know, the offensive coordinator with Washington. He was the quarterback's coach when Kirk Cousins was the quarterback in 2017 there. Uh, he's obviously drafted by, uh, he was another, you know, our, our friend Zach Robinson's on the Ram staff was drafted by Bill Belichick. Kevin O'Connell was drafted by Bill Belichick in round three um, of his draft. Um, he's been around the league a lot. I, I like the hire. I think that the Vikings now for the first time in a while actually have a plan to like rebuild the thing in a meaningful way. And I, and I know the NFC North is going to be bad if Rogers leaves, but I'm glad that they didn't take that as a sign to just kind of like, you know, do the potato yeah. chips kind of rebuild. Well, so this is the interesting thing. I thought it was a great hire and um, I am, you know, I, I want to be cautious because we don't know any of these candidates, you know, that well, but I am really bullish on, on O'Connell. And one of the reasons is obviously the, you know, the offensive scheme that the Rams have has been really successful. I mean, they've been absolutely killing it on play action over the course of McVay's tenure there, but particularly this year, I mean, they've just been incinerating the league and um, you know, that combination of being offensive minded, being a part of a scheme that's been successful, being a younger guy that hopefully is more, you know, open to some of those, you know, those ways of managing a game that are math mathematically um, pointing you in the right direction. And I mean by that is like, you know, going for fourth downs and things like that. You know, you don't know that, but you'd hope that that's something that he's interested in, in especially if he's going to Minnesota to work with Quezzy, that he's interested in, in optimizing. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, though, is because of his history with Kirk Cousins, because of the fact that, look, you look at that offense and you go, man, could Kirk Cousins not do, I don't think like from a, you know, leadership standpoint, he's Matt Stafford, but from a ability to like throw the football standpoint, you know, especially down the, the field off play action, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good there. Does this point to them keeping Kirk Cousins? Because that was my take immediately. I was like, oh, I think no. they're going to keep Kirk Cousins. No. You don't think so? I think it's, I think it's more because like O'Connell was part of the, was part of the Washington brass. I mean, his, his he overlapped with cousins for one year. Um, but like he, he was part of the staff that made the choice to go to Alex Smith. Right. Yeah. But you don't know. I mean, I just, we don't know. We don't, we can't necessarily, I, we don't that. know. We don't know, but yeah. here, let me, I know, and I know that you hate, not hate, you are hate definitely it. pro, like, let's tear this thing down and start over. And I get that. I, I'm the same way. But let me just give you a couple of things that might point in the other direction. Um, Four-year deal for, for Quezzy, right? That's not an eternity. Um, Kevin O'Connell has some history, both with Kirk Cousins, but also in taking an offensive scheme with some talented players and making them play really, really well. And you look at... Minnesota, they don't have the same offensive line, obviously, that the Rams have, but they have talented receivers. Um, could they use a couple more? Absolutely. They have a quarterback who, say what you want about Kirk Cousins, you know, he's not the he worst quarterback in the NFL. Well. Like, he has he has absolutely thrown the ball really, really well and graded really well over the course of the past few seasons in Minnesota. Um, and then the, I think the key point is what you just mentioned. 
the NFC North stinks and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams might be on their way out. So like the path is there to go, we could win this division and win it handily in year one. I don't disagree with any of that. I think that the biggest issue is if you, so the problem with cousins isn't necessarily Kirk cousins. It's the situation that they're currently in. Right. It, it, so here's the thing. If cousins was on the open market right now, what would his, what would his deal be? I think, I think a te- there's enough quarterback needy teams out there that I, I'm not sure that it's, I'm not sure he's getting 40, but he's getting a, he's getting a good deal. No doubt about it. Yeah. So like, I think that this thing is, everybody has this thing all wrong, right? Cousins, Cousins is currently on a one-year deal that has a $45 million cap. Hit. This roster, well, the, all of the like sort of cap health metrics that have the Vikings basically um, middle of the pack, even though they're over the salary cap, involve the ability to move money around and get themselves in a decent position. Not a great position, but a decent position. A lot of that hinges on Cousins, right? So it's like a catch-22. Like if the Vikings want to build a roster around Cousins, and that's always been the problem. It hasn't been. I mean, you know, the, the Cousins signing failed in large part because it, it and the and the reason it failed was that Kirk Kirk was as good as you could expect him to be in, in Minnesota. And the roster let him down as we all foretold, right? And so you need to build a roster up. The problem is, is there's almost no daylight between, like Kirk is not going to accept as one of the best mercenaries in the history of the league, the best finessers in the history of the league. He's not going to accept a pay cut. He's not going to accept a deal that doesn't like, that doesn't, isn't on the order of like three years, a hundred million. But like, how much does that benefit the Vikings who like, they're not $12 million away from, from being able to build a thing up. There and, and I know you can renegotiate, right? I know, but all you're doing there and all they did in 2020 when they renegotiated this deal is you're putting together another albatross year, right? And by that time, you know, if you're buying him now at the top, you're going to have to be selling him at the bottom in three years when, when his cap hits 55 million, you know? And so, again, this is one of those things where we always talk about some players have more utility for other teams than they do for your team. I think Kirk Cousins is great utility for a team like Cleveland or a team like, you know, that that's like maybe a quarterback away, right? Like, like the Vikings were. And again, that shows sort of the folly of even thinking that way, but to the Vikings, like you're basically going to have to make a three-year commitment to him for 35 million APY just to save, not just to not have to go for 45 mil this year. And like, I, I just don't think again, that's a hater. You're in Minnesota, I don't think it like. Let, let me let me say let me not okay. So it, one of the things that we might talk about next week is the ramifications, pun intended, of Los Angeles winning the Super Bowl. One of those is going to be, especially after the the Bucks did this, and now the Rams have done this back to back years of going all in with a quarterback. And look, I, I said this at the beginning of the year. I was like, look, the Rams think that Matthew Stafford is Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady. Now, he's not Tom Brady, but they're playing in the Super Bowl and they're a four and a half point favorite. So, you know, like, you know, they, they've gotten it done. And they did, a, as to your point, I think they realized the openness of the, the NFL 
that you know maybe we did not and one of the things that will happen our teams will look at that model and they will go why not us i'm not saying that the vikings are going to do that i'm saying there's i would not rule it out and mm -hmm. we'll say the same thing about cousins that we said about stafford which is he ain't tom brady and i will say about cousins that he's not matt stafford like we we have definitely talked a lot about matt stafford on this podcast but we should absolutely give him some of his flowers like he has played tremendously well against the blitz maybe better than any other quarterback in the nfl he's graded super well in that he's done a great job of taking on that offensive scheme and you look at Kirk Cousins and you go like, man, like this division sucks. Like it's wide open, especially if Rodgers leaves. Oh, and by the way, the NFC, guess who just left the NFC? The greatest quarterback of all freaking time. Look at what's the AFC has every good young quarterback. The NFC is a complete disaster. Like the only team we've got to get through is like the, the freaking Rams or like Trey Lance and the Niners. Like, are you kidding me? So I'm not ruling that out, Eric. I'm not ruling out that O'Connell and, and Quezzi look at that and go, hey, like, why not us? Like, we're smart. We can figure out how to build, get players to come in and, and have that mentality. And if you have that mentality, here's the thing, Eric. Look at Cousins. What, what is the one thing that he needs to do to prove to people that he's worthwhile? He needs to win. And so if you go to him and you say, look, buddy, this is not about making money. You need to win football games. Here's the plan to win football games. That's not something that Minnesota has ever done with Kirk Cousins before, yeah, right? I, yeah, and I and I don't mean to and I don't mean to ding him, you know, as much maybe as I am. But like, the problem is is in that, is that in his DNA, like he is a guy who just simply does the checkdown thing because it's like it is one of those where it's like, well, my pass rating dictates my salary type of thing, and like he's sort of Goodhart's law, right? And this isn't a great team. Like, let me, I believe they're 15th in war generated last year. Like this isn't, and that's with cousins playing like top 10 war quarterback. Like I, I think the difference between the Rams and the Bucks, like when the Bucks took a swing at, at Brady, they had Evans, Godwin, they were, they had a top three defense or top five defense. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong the year before in like expected points added, they had Sue, they had Barrett, they had, um, well, Dean, uh, Carlton Davis, Paul, they Levante had David. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Vikings and they, and they, they made five day two draft picks on in the secondary, the Vikings, 2020 first round pick, Justin Jefferson's great. Jeff Gladney's in jail. Like 2020, like, you know, <laughs> 2019 Garrett Bradbury is, is terrible. Um, like they, they're not a percolating contender. They're a, they're you a, are such a scorn. Team. This is I, 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 you I, talking about the Vikings is so funny to me. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying that the path, the things that you're talking about improving are not beyond the wit of, of uh, mankind. Here's a question that I have for you then. What's the difference between the bears who I think both of us would believe is, is not a great team. Right. Mm -hmm. But explain to me the merits of the Vikings believing this about themselves and the Vikings believing this. Like, what's the difference? Is it just cousins over fields? No, I mean, it's cousins over fields. I don't think we should just pretend that Justin Jefferson doesn't exist. Okay. Okay. Like, the, like the, yeah. the bears, the bears supporting cast offensively is a train wreck. Like I, I'm, I am worried about Justin Fields. I'm, 
I, this is a topic for another day. I think the Eberflus signing is curious. Um, I would Arnold be Mooney at a thousand yards this year. Great. Congratulations. Hang a banner. I mean, like Justin Jefferson, Darnell Mooney don't exist on the same planet. And I like, I know, Mooney. but like, it's, I, 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 I like saying the- Adam Thielen is really good. The, the, they, they have, um, they, they have more talent offensively, especially at a high level. And I think this is the thing this, they don't have the same type of a list stars that the Rams do. No, no doubt about it, but they do have some superstars. And I think that is important to keep in mind. And, you know, you think about Daniel Hunter, um and what he can do eric kendricks like there are some there are some really good players on that team now they don't have the same depth but that's where you know that's where i think quezzy and you know what he does can come in so anyways we've talked about the vikings too much uh we apologize for anyone out there who is like oh great eric and george talking about the vikings um we're gonna get into a few draft props here to close this out before we do you're thinking about a place to go make some bets for the Super Bowl. The place to do that is DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They're celebrating huge odds boosts for new customers. Use promo code PFF and get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 to get $280 in free bets if your team wins. It's that freaking simple. And if you're in a place where a sportsbook's not available yet, it's okay. They've got great daily fantasy football contests for you to win huge cash prizes. Plus, all new customers get a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PFF when you make your first deposit and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. So that's pretty easy. Uh, bet just $5, win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF. You must be 21 or older, Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania, only new customers, ones that are eligible, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And I'm not done giving you great deals for the big game. Our friends at Western Southern Financial, not only do they do a great job of setting you up for financial success, regardless of where you are in your financial journey, but they are making it worth your while to try and set you up for a great big game this coming Sunday. All you have to do is go ask Chris Collinsworth a question by going to westernsouthern.com feast. There you can ask Chris anything you freaking want, what it's like to be calling a game where your former team is in the Super Bowl and your former team is the freaking Bengals. That would be a very good question. And when you do, you'll be entered to win $2,500 to your favorite restaurant for delivery on february 13th 2022 that will set you up and your friends for a wonderful big game so go to westernsouthern.com feast ask your question enter and then prosper all right some player props you have bet you said now first off i should let the people know if you're not on tiktok go on tiktok follow our guy eric you've been on there dropping a prop a day a prop per day so take us through what are some of your favorite ones that you've bet so far well, here are the ones that I put on TikTok. I had Acres under 64 and a half. Fan duels where I got that. Rams mm-hmm. to take the first time out, mm-hmm. minus 115. First play by the Bengals to be a pass. To, sorry, to be a pass play. Um, that one actually, I, I think if you can still find it, I believe it's on Bet Online. It's plus 105. Bengals, George, and I know like the Bengals have thrown on 80% of their first plays this year. I, and I understand the degeneracy implied by going and looking at that. But anyway. Um, no, I, I think I love that one. I also have McPherson first kickoff to be a touchback. 
Captain Jack Andrews, who runs uh, unabated with Rufus Peabody, did say, and he replied to me on Twitter and said, you know, the, the Westgate Superbook, the Superbook put it out at minus 110. It's since got that up to minus 115. I still think, I think it's in, in normal conditions, it should be minus 200. Um, McPherson first kickoff should be a touchback. Um, McPherson and the Bengals kick the ball into the end zone 78% of the time, 78.6 actually. And that's including all the games in cold weather places like Cincinnati, like uh, Cleveland, et cetera, um, Baltimore, so, yeah, whatever. Um, the Rams only take out 13% of kicks that go into the end zone and 15.6% of kicks that land, land in the end zone, not out of it, right? So um, if you multiply those two together, the, it's like 66% chance, right? And so I'm sort of like taking, okay, the K ball kind of sucks, but they're going to get a chance to kick with it. Um, and the last four years have been returns. I remember you and I were sweating out whether uh, McCall Hardman would take out the kick from Wisnowski a couple of years ago. And then um, I'm going to take, okay, McPherson playing in a dome instead of playing in Cincinnati or Kansas City or Tennessee. Um, I, I'm going to say that that offsets the probabilities uh, associated with uh, playing in a dome with that, that ball. Um, uh, with the ball thing. So I'm going to go minus 150 there. And then one I just bet, and I have not put this on TikTok yet, but I am betting. Longest field goal of the game, under 47 and a half, um, plus or minus 116. My, my, you know, we've all seen Matt Gay kick over the last two weeks. It's, it's, a, it's a, a priv, as our friend Dave Safar would say. Um, so the, it's really about McPherson and as, as great as McPherson has been, um, only 47% of games this year have involved Evan McPherson making a kick longer than 47 and a half. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, you're, you're getting a little bit, uh, of a value there, uh, with, with him under 47 and a half there at minus 116. I should let the people know that the K ball uh, is playing into my, the K ball is playing into my, into my handicap there. The Which, one thing I would say about that uh, is, again, again, Matt Gay issues, but there also are issues with both of these coaches will kick a long field goal instead of going yeah. for it. So that is, that is my, my worry there. And one of the reasons why um, it took, I, I sort of, again, I was betting against the narrative there. Um, but again, I, I kind of like it. I understand that 52.7% would not imply, you know, making that bet, but um, I do think there are aspects of the K ball and aspects of uh, kickers tensing up in the Super Bowl and Matt Gay's just inability to kick a long field goal. To me, uh, I think that that's why you bet under there. So I should let the people know the research for the anthem and the halftime show have begun in earnest. We're going on Thursday. We're going to go over all of our favorite props. So don't worry if you're, you know, if you haven't bet any yet, we're going to keep doing this each and every day. And we'll do, we'll make sure we recap all of the ones that we like uh, on Thursday. Um, let's talk briefly about the MVP. Um, Cause this is a popular one that people like to bet. Obviously the two quarterbacks are the two favorites here. And if you go, uh, depending on where you go, you'll see, you know, a variety of, of odds here um, on, I'm looking at the Westgate uh, Superbook in Las Vegas, and they obviously have a ton of props that they offer. You can go to their Twitter Superbook, uh, I believe is what it's called, and um, and check it out. There's a ton there. Matt Stafford is six to five. Um, uh, Joe Burrow five to two. Cooper Cup six to one. Um, those are the three favorites there. Aaron Donald sixteen to one. Odell Beckham Jr. 
sorry, uh, Jamar Chase is also 16 to one. Odell Beckham Jr. is 20 to one, as is Cam Akers, interestingly. Joe Mixon, 25 to one. Um, Von Miller is 50 to one. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is 80 to one. What if you are placing a bet on the Super Bowl MVP, who are you betting on? I'm taking Stafford. And I know it, it pains me because we've doubted that team all year. Yeah. But um, so, so here's a few things. A running back has not won the MVP of the Super Bowl um, since 1998, Terrell Davis. Um, there have been one, two, Line, three linebackers who have won it since then and one safety that I've won it. And, you know, the game that you and I went to, Damian Williams made a better case than Patrick Mahomes for, like, not MVP, not valuable, right? But, like, in the sense of, like, who had the most surprising performance in that game? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, Damian Williams, you could have made a case to be the MVP in that game. Um, they just don't give it to him. And, um, and then you even think about, and then there, there's one, and I'm going to, I'm going to caveat this before I, I'm going to caveat this before I even, um, you know, say anything with um, Cooper cup is the reason it is this way, but defense is so spread out. Now defense is such a collaborative effort that if a defense plays really well, there's no lock that any defensive player is going to get the MVP, right? Like, I think, you know, we had Von Miller in 2015, two years before that we had Malcolm Smith, right? Who played like 12 snaps in that game and got MVP because he had a pick six. That was like the last time a team played a really collective defensive effort and they gave it to some rando like Dexter Jackson, right? Yep. And so, and the Rams are more star heavy, Donald, you know, uh, Miller, um, you know, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, but like, that's the, you know, like last year, the Bucks dominated the chiefs on defense, but like, there wasn't one guy who you could point to and be like, that guy deserves it over everybody. Um, when and the Patriots had, dominated the Rams three years ago, you couldn't look at any one player and be like, that guy deserved it. So then they gave it to Edelman in that one year. And then they gave it to Brady last year. Um, so obviously the difference here where you're looking at a team that's minus 200, but that's a 66%, uh, you know, essentially break even probability you look at Stafford at plus 120, which is about a 45% break even that daylight is Cooper cup. Is it not? Yes. And no. So that I like, I, I agree with you on Stafford, but I'll give you one here that I think makes sense, which is Aaron Donald at 16 to one. And the reasons are, we, we've talked about this already, and this is the simple fact that perhaps the biggest mismatch that we have seen in the entirety of the playoffs thus far is Aaron Donald versus the interior offensive line, uh, actually against anyone on the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. Their right guard is the 81st out of 82 <laughs> graded right guards. It's an absolute nightmare for Adeniji. Uh, center has been a weak spot. Their entire interior offensive line is a bottom five graded unit, and they like to move him around as well. There's also this about Donald, and I don't think this goes unconsidered by the, the Rams. The one piece, okay, the one Ram that has been there since the beginning, since these guys sucked, like think back to Jeff Fisher and like how brutal it was for the Rams was Aaron Donald. This guy deserves it. And so when you think about the narrative, when you go, oh, Matt Stafford, you know, coming from Detroit, never won a, you know, a, a playoff game before, like what a great story. Back up just for a second. Aaron Donald's story is also awesome. 
And when he torches that interior offensive line, like I'm not expecting Zach Taylor to have some super creative way to, you know, to keep Aaron Donald at bay. I'm sorry. I don't. And the combination of that Joe Burrow taking sacks and the narrative around it is I think why Donald is the guy that I would bet at 16 to one. I love Jalen Ramsey. I want to bet him at 80 to one. I think that the result it's so hard for people to identify when a corner plays really well. Like I actually think T Higgins overs are really interesting in this game. Like I expect Ramsey and chase to have one hell of a battle. And while I love Jalen Ramsey, potentially being a huge and very important and valuable player in this game, I don't think that the public will see that. So um, Donald, Donald is my favorite there. The tough thing for cup, Eric, is that if cup has a big game, you know, like the tie is going to go to Matt Stafford, right? Like people are going to go like, oh, Matt Stafford was great, you know, because, you know, obviously Cooper Cup played really well. And I have a hard time imagining that Stafford has enough turnovers to kind of get in the way of that. Yeah, and I think, yeah, the, the Cup thing is really where, but I, I agree with you on Donald. 16 to 1, you almost have to sprinkle that, especially if you're going to buy. Essentially, a Stafford bet for MVP is a Rams money line bet, but a bad Cooper Cup. Like, couldn't you just, there's got to be some sort of like, there's got to be a plus EV play where you go Stafford. So instead of betting Rams money line, right? Like, yeah. and I, I got to think through this a little bit, but you go Stafford MVP cup over eight and a half catches Donald MVP, right? To me, like we'd have to look at like what the implied odds of that are because they're correlated. Yeah. Um, but like, to me, that's less than minus 200. Is it not? I'd agree. I'd agree. Like, I I think that that's probably where you should go. And I, we could probably look at one of the same game parlay calculators. Um, I don't know if they have MVP in one of the same game parlay calculators, but it's exact. Like this, these are the kind of things that you have to be thinking about when you are going to bet uh, the Super Bowl, right? Because, you know, like somebody, it's interesting. And like, back me up if I'm wrong, is somebody who made kind of a killing on the two all-star games this week. Somebody was like, oh, don't bet the Pro Bowl. You know, don't, don't just make a sprinkle. It's like, I got news for you guys. If you're a normal better, you have a better chance of winning on the Pro Bowl than you do the Super Bowl side in total. Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. At, oh, at some point, that. at some point, like, it, Pinnacle's taking million-dollar bets on this game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Chris is taking, like, you're, you have a better chance of, like, adding up the PFF, you know, PFF grades of all the players in the AFC and the NFC and, like, or betting the under in the Pro Bowl than you do after a weekend right like if you got ahead and got under like we did and all that kind of stuff fine um but to win money at, at the super bowl you're almost ignoring the side in total at this point right like if you didn't get in at the very beginning this number is beaten hell it's going to move a few cents here and there towards the end of the game but that's that's over johnny like you have to you have to sort of find other ways to bet the things you like why we're doing all the research we can on all the uh, other props. Um, I'm going to look last year. Remember for the national anthem, someone recorded it outside. And uh, then the line went to, uh, <laughs> we told everyone to, to take the over. We won't reveal our source. Yeah. Won't reveal our um, source there, but by the um, way, for the, for the field goal prop, cause I do feel like kind of a, uh, the two men in the last, the two men in the last uh, since week 16, have gone over 47 and a half as the longest field goal twice. And that was McPherson against Tennessee, McPherson against Kansas City. Matt Gay has not had a field goal over 47 and a half yards since week 15. 
Um, and McPherson had just done it the two times since then. So that's really where, if you're looking at kind of the, the reason for that bet, the season long numbers, actually, I think it's more like break even, but um, just to just kind of like back that up. I know if we, there was some, George, you, you realize that people like comment when I, when I get the math wrong on, in this podcast. So important. They need to hold you accountable. All right. That was our Sunday podcast. Next time we podcast, we'll be on Radio Row. You and I together back in action. Super Bowl. Thanks for hanging out. We love you all. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Peace.